Donald Trump dominated the Iowa caucuses like no candidate ever has on Monday. And the former president's campaign operations are a far cry from where they were eight years ago. How did Trump become so unstoppable in Iowa? For answers, we turn to Molly Ball, senior political correspondent at The Wall Street Journal, joining us from Des Moines. Molly, domination like this doesn't really happen in the this early in the campaign cycle. Just how historic was Trump's margin of victory Monday night? That's right. It is, in fact, uh, not only is it the largest uh, margin of victory in a contested Iowa caucus uh, in history, about the you know the 50-year history of these Iowa caucuses being conducted, it's actually more than double uh, the record margin, uh, which I believe was was Bob Dole back in the 90s. Uh, so, it's a it's a landmark victory for Trump. It's a dominating victory for Trump. It's not anything anybody uh, was surprised by. It's a really uh, right in line with what the polls were predicting. Uh, But it really makes him, I think, the prohibitive uh, favorite for the Republican nomination at this point. Uh, Trump's campaign operation itself is vastly different than the one he had in 2016. How has that changed in the last eight years? It's a big difference, and I think it's made a big difference, and I think you can give them a lot of credit uh, for the result that they achieved in the caucuses. Uh, you know, I covered the 2016 campaign, and I used to say that Trump's campaign basically consisted of a Twitter account and an airplane. This time around, he's got a really sophisticated operation behind him. He's got uh, these cutthroat operatives who really know what they're doing. Uh, and if you look back on the course of the campaign, if you remember when he announced that he would, surprising a lot of people, run for a third time 14 months ago, uh, he he really did uh, mount a comeback here. He had been down in, in many polls to, to Ron DeSantis. A lot of people blamed him for Republicans not doing well in those midterms in 2022. Uh, and we've really seen over the course of the year that he's managed to build his political strength back up and uh, recapture uh, the loyalty of the Republican base. Right. As you mentioned, a lot of people might have forgotten at this point. But when Trump announced his bid to retake the White House a little over a year ago, he was he wasn't as short of everything. It was at a political a low point. What happened along the way to change that? Yeah, I think there were a number of sort of pivot points along the way here. It's really a combination of uh, clever campaigning on Trump's part, uh, mistakes by his rivals, especially Ron DeSantis, who was supposed to be uh, his his main competitor and who uh, really messed up a lot of things in this campaign, I think you can say, uh, and then events that also played into Trump's hands. I think the most significant uh, factor in the campaign, beyond just sort of campaign tactics, uh, well, two most significant factors. Number one, I think uh, DeSantis underperforming expectations, getting in the campaign late after Trump had already really uh, beaten him up in, in campaign ads and in his rhetoric. So he sort of limped into the campaign when he finally did get in. And uh, as as many have noted, was sort of a, a, an uninspiring presence uh, and didn't impress a lot of voters once he did get in. And his campaign had a lot of turmoil. Uh, but then if you look at... Uh, when, you know, the, the, the biggest events in, in, in Trump's life over the past year has been uh, this onslaught from the legal system, the five criminal indictments, 91 counts that he faces. And uh, I think that was a real turning point in the campaign when that first indictment from the Manhattan grand jury came down in March. And DeSantis and all of the rest of the Republican candidates took Trump's side and defended him. So that helped sort of politically inoculate him. And he was able to actually use these these legal issues that 
uh, you know, normally in politics, when you, when you get indicted, it's not a good thing. He was able to really turn that around to his benefit and make it an argument in his favor. And it's now really central to his campaign argument, the idea that he is uh, being victimized by the legal system. And you've seen voters gravitate to him on that basis. So next up is New Hampshire. Do New Hampshire and the other early voting states present different dynamics for Trump, DeSantis and Haley that they didn't have in Iowa? Yeah, absolutely. And we haven't even talked about Nikki Haley, but, you know, uh, she had had hoped to come in second here in Iowa, even though this isn't the friendliest state to to her candidacy. Uh, And so coming in third, I think, is disappointing for her. Uh, But she and DeSantis almost tied, right? DeSantis had about 21 percent, Haley about 19 percent here in Iowa. And uh, the race now moves into uh, territory that's much more friendly to Haley. Thanks for the insight, Molly. Molly Ball from The Wall Street Journal.